everyone. Welcome to Rep Chats, the podcast of Nashville Repertory Theater. I'm Micah Shane Brewer, the artistic director and your host for this podcast. Well, 9 to 5 has opened, and if you're listening to this the week that the episode drops, you have just a few more chances to catch this fantastic musical. And on today's episode, I'm delighted to have my good friend Greg Perry with us. Greg was Dolly Parton's music director in the late 70s and early 80s, and he's going to be chatting with us about his career with Dolly, working on the original 9 to 5, and his work in theater. So please join us for this fantastic chat in just a moment. Welcome back to the podcast. I am excited to speak with my friend Greg Perry. Um, we've known each other for about, I think, 23 years. I think it's even a <laughs> bit longer than that. <laughs> I was trying to remember. Do you remember the first time we met? Yes. It was in my home studio, yeah. and you were working on a show, and you needed some voiceover work, and you came in. And I thought, oh, my God, there's this teenager who's running the show, but he seems to know what he's doing and what he wants, and that's how we first met. And I remember thinking, oh, this guy must be a fan of Dolly Parton because you had a, your gold records on the wall. <laughs> but we've uh, worked on, I, I've lost count of how many projects we've worked on. Over it's the a lot, years. yeah. Uh, it's been a lot, but I, since we're here talking about 9 to 5, uh, we have a special connection with you and your work with Dolly. For those who don't know Greg, you were the her music director and producer? I was her music director and I produced a number of her records. Tell us how you got connected with Dolly. It originally started with a friend of mine, a drummer in Nashville, and he called me up and said, hey, I got a call from Dolly Parton's band director and um, she's auditioning for a new band. And they called me, and I'm going to go this Saturday, but I want you to come with me. And I said, no, I don't think so. Why would I do that? And he said, well, you, you can get to meet Dolly Parton. And I thought, well, okay, I'll go with you, and I'll sort of listen to it. It might be interesting. So we went to her house. She had a studio in her house, and she was auditioning guitar players, steel players, and drummers. And she would do three of her songs. And after the first couple people, I knew what the songs were. I could pick out the chord pattern. And they were stumbling along at times. And so I went to her band leader and said, you know, there's a piano sitting here. I can play the chords on the piano to help lead everyone along. And he said, oh, that'd be a big help. So we went through a number of people to audition. And Dolly at one point said, you know what, Uh, let's take a break. Let me get a drink of water, and then we'll keep going. And I was sitting on the piano bench, and all of a sudden I felt this thunk next to me, and I turned my head, and there was Dolly right in my face. And she said, hi, I'm Dolly. What's your name? (laughs) And that, that is how I met her. And that led to... Her asking me to come back to do some more auditions, then her asking me to go in the studio um, and work on a project she was working on with one of her aunts, and then to go on the road with her and become her musical director and write arrangements for her Las Vegas show and be involved in her records and movies. Wow. So how 
how did you, let's back up for just a minute. How did you get to Nashville and did you ever intend to be a music director for a country music artist? No, I really didn't. I had started out in Chicago uh, working on radio and TV commercials. And I was an orchestrator, arranger. I wrote some things and got to work for some big accounts, United Airlines, Sears, Cliff Smalt Liquor, McDonald's. But I was frustrated that the music never lasted longer than 30 or 60 seconds. So I wanted to be involved in records, but I wanted to be involved in recording. So I moved to Nashville and was starting to make some connections in the studio business. And so I really didn't intend to go on the road. But once you meet Dolly, she can convince you <laughs> to do anything she wants. So, so Dolly asked you to join her. Yes. What was it like working with Dolly? Like, what what was your typical uh, work style that you that you had, or what, what 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 were the projects that you worked on with her? It was like climbing a mountain because the first two shows we did were old bookings that she had back from her Porter Wagner days, and she wasn't with Porter, but. The first one was in a movie theater in Matthews, West Virginia, an old theater where they rolled the screen up on a Saturday night and had a country band in. (laughs) And I played one note on the piano and broke a string, which I've never done in my life. (laughs) And the next night was uh, in Virginia somewhere, and it was a high school gymnasium, and they just turned the lights on and had a Saturday or Sunday night country band. And um, from there, she started opening for some acts, Mac Davis and Willie Nelson. Uh, And then she started headlining. And then it just really took off from there. Wow. Do you remember uh, what it was like the first time you played for one of her, her big shows? I think the biggest show we played for was the Ohio State Fair, which I believe was a total of 50,000 people. 50,000 uh, people. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we played some of the outdoor concert. There was also a day on the green in San Francisco at Candlestick Park. Uh, and the bill was uh, the Beach Boys, Linda Ronstadt, Dolly, and a number of other acts. So it was it was exciting to be in the middle of all that. Wow. And while you worked with Dolly... When she would write a song, she would bring it to you to arrange, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. What was that process like when you were when you were working as her arranger? Dolly writes in a very specific way. She gets ideas and then she sort of secludes herself, and she might write all night long into the morning. In fact, that's what she did with Nine to Five. And in the morning, she came to me and handed me a cassette. And said, you know, here, I wrote this song because Jane Fonda is looking for a theme song for the movie. And tell me what you think about it. And so I put it in the player and all I heard was this clack, 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 because her nails were too long to finger the chords on a guitar. Mm -hmm. But her voice was singing, tumble out of bed and stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition. And I could hear where the chords were going with it. And I thought, this sounds terrific. This is going to be a great song. And she said, do you think we should do a demo of it? And I said, absolutely not. We need to do a master. I said, even if Jane Fonda doesn't love this song, which I think she will, but you can use it on a future album. Uh, 
And so we arranged studio time, uh, got a music contractor, got a number of players, and went in the studio. And I had written all the horn parts, the background vocals, the, the chord chart for the rhythm section. And we started with the rhythm section at probably like 9 o'clock in the morning. And they get called for a three-hour session. And so at 9 o'clock we started, and I had arranged it in the key of G. And we ran it through, and Dolly said, that's just a little high. Can we lower it a half step, which is the key of F sharp, which is not the easiest key in the world. (laughs) But the Los Angeles musicians are so good. And so they ran it through an F sharp once. I asked the engineer to roll tape. They went through it again, and that was the master rhythm section. It was the fastest record I had ever cut. So you, you did one take? Um, well, oh, two. two two running it once in G, once in F sharp, and then the final take. Okay, got it. Gotcha. And um, then Dolly went out and sang her lead vocal. And I believe the horns came in about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. The background singers about 3 in the afternoon. And that entire record was finished, uh, except for one thing. After the background singers were done, I went to the office of the recording studio, and I found an old Royal typewriter, dragged it into the studio, and I duct-taped the carriage so it wouldn't move. And we put a mic on it. And I played the typewriter keys that you hear in the beginning. So, the so bells. when we listen to nine to five, the original recording, that's you on the typewriter. That's me on the typewriter. <laughs> but, I love that story. But the entire record was finished in one day. That's amazing. Yep. That is amazing. Do you ever um, do you ever go back and listen to it and just? Uh, well, let me ask you this: When you were working on it, did you ever imagine it would be as big of a hit as it has been? No. No, not at all. Uh, because, I mean, it, it's, there's so many uncertainties in the business. You just never know what's going to catch on, what's not, what other circumstances are going to affect it. Um, but once it came out, came out around, you know, I think in November of uh, 1980, and the movie came out at really about the same time, and it just took off, and it just skyrocketed. And it was so much fun to see those numbers every week. Yeah. Wow. What are some of the other songs that you arranged and produced with Dolly? Um, Wow, we're going back over 40 years now. Um, I worked on uh, all the songs in the movie Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. And so there were a number of those that were on an album in the early 80s. There was her second version of I Will Always Love You, which uh, that's unusual in that Dolly had two hits with the same song, but different versions of it. One was done during her Porter Wagner days uh, in the 70s, and then the second one in the early 80s that was done for the movie. Mm. How many songs... Do you think you arranged overall? Oh, you know, I never kept track because it wasn't just records. It was all the Las Vegas and Atlantic shows with the big orchestras. Because for those shows, she had 32-piece orchestra. It was huge. Wow. And so I orchestrated all those those parts. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. What, what was it like just day-to-day with Dolly? Um... 
there was always something going on because there were always radio station interviews or magazine interviews or something going on. Um, if we were traveling, she traveled with her band on the bus, um, and you know we would stop and get some food somewhere. Uh, eventually, she couldn't really go in because she was too recognized. But um, and sometimes there were chartered planes. It just depended. What, do you have a, a special memory of that time, like one of your favorite moments? Oh, well, I got to fly on the Concorde with Dolly going over to England for her, um, her HBO special. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, I've always been interested in aviation, so that was real neat. I think playing at the Hollywood Bowl was special. Playing that day at the Green Great Day on the Green concert was special. Um, playing some of the award shows with her was special. Um, just watching her in the movies because I was usually on the set every day for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. There were there was a lot of special moments. I had a great time with her. And for those of you who have never seen the London concert on YouTube, it is on YouTube, and you can see Greg Perry. On the yeah, you can see me in there conducting the orchestra. Yeah, yeah. that's that's am- it's amazing. So so you know that was you know forty something years ago, mm-hmm. um, and and here you are working with us. Uh, on nine to five, does it seem kind of surreal to hear the music again or play it in the in the pit this time? Like, what what is that like for you? It's it's uh, it's certainly coming full circle, <laughs> um, which is what I love about it. And uh, there's so many young players in the pit, and it's really great to to be able to work with them. That level of talent, the level of talent on the stage. Um, it's. I'm enjoying it a lot. So you left Dolly, uh, working with Dolly, like in the early '80s, right? 1983. 1983. And then tell us about your your journey at that point because you you totally changed careers. In 1983, Dolly was having some health problems, and she decided she was going to back off of future touring, future movies, um, just take an extended time off. And so all of us that were with her were thinking, you know, which direction are we going to go? What are we going to do? And she offered to have me work at her publishing company, but I really didn't want to take an office job. And so um, a couple of the record companies came to me with some new artists, and I produced a couple new artists, about six or seven songs. And I sort of had an awakening because I realized... It was never going to be the same as Dolly. Mm-hmm. Is that once once you reach the top of that mountain, it's really hard to climb back up again. And so I sort of took a look at my life and what kind of goals I wanted. And I had always thought about being a doctor back in college, but I couldn't afford to go to college without a scholarship. And so I got music scholarships, which led me in that path. But now I had the time and the, the finances, so I went back to college and I took pre-med courses and um, eventually got into Vanderbilt School of Medicine and graduated from Vanderbilt and practiced medicine in East Tennessee for 30 years. 
but I was fortunate in that uh, even during residency uh, and somewhat during med school, um, I found time to still be involved in theater and music and even some recordings occasionally. So I've always kept it up. And we met in East Tennessee when I was living there. Yep. Uh, when I was I was uh, <laughs> young and inexperienced and working on a few shows in a community theater there. And then years later, we reconnected and worked together as a director, musical director, and uh, with uh, our theater company in, uh, in East Tennessee called Encore. Yes. Where we did a lot of shows together. A lot of shows. Yeah. Uh, I've always enjoyed working with, with you, Greg, because... Uh, you are very personable, you're very direct, and you and I have always had a really good like working relationship and communication style because we can always be direct and to the point and understand each other. And uh, I've always enjoyed having you on a team because you are um, you have a level of um, perfection that you strive for, which I always appreciate. Um, but I remember we were working on, I believe, I believe it was The Sound of Music. Mm. And you got a call from someone inviting you to the opening of 9 to 5 on Broadway, right? That's right. <laughs> no, Dolly contacted me and said she'd like to fly me to New York um, to see the show. And, um, and you told how, her. How, how can you say no to that? <laughs> So I, I went to New York and um, took our son, and uh, she had made hotel, or her staff made hotel arrangements, and so we were at the hotel, and it was very early in the morning after I had just gotten there, and the phone rang in the room, and I picked up the phone and said hello, and this garbled voice said, rum, rum, rum. And I thought, oh, geez, it's some crazy person that's calling me. I don't know who this is. And finally, I realized it was Dolly calling to say, hello, you're in New York, and we're coming to pick you up at 12 noon, and go out front, and there'll be a limo for you. And so I thought, why do I need a limo in New York? I mean, the theater is a block away. <laughs> but apparently, be security arrangements and everything, we had to get in the car, drive a block uh, to the Marriott Hotel, and were met by Marriott security, escorted upstairs where Dolly had an office. And we talked and just sort of relived times for a while. And then she took me downstairs backstage. And I got to meet Joe Montello, the director, and some of the stars in the show. And at one point, this this very young man ran up and said, "Oh wow, I'm, I I got here just in time. I'm I'm running a little behind." And Dolly said, "Stephen, I want you to meet Greg Perry." And he said, "Greg Perry, <laughs> you wrote the arrangement for Nine to Five, and I stole it for this show." <laughs> And it was Stephen Aramis, the, the musical director for it. Yeah. And I said, have at it. I'm glad. I'm, I'm honored. Um, and then I got to watch the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 a really, uh, it's, it's a really interesting show in that I think it's a good adaptation of the movie, and it connects well with audiences. And it, it's the, the, I think the music that Dolly wrote for the, the, the show mm-hmm. really helps... 
to uh, showcase in musical theater styles that we don't think often of Dolly. For instance, the one of the boys, which is a more of a kind of a uh, jazzy yeah. uh, mm-hmm. number, and and of course you put her backwards Barbie in. But, uh, but do you do you do you find the score? What do you what do you think of the score when you're playing through it? Um, it's much more complex than a lot of the things that Dolly would do in her records. Uh, and, of course, that's the result of some of the orchestrations that were done for it and the instrumentation in the pit. Um, but it's just really fun music. It is fun music. Yeah. Um, of course, you and I have worked together a number of times, and it's been great to have you here at Nashville Rep. Uh, if our listeners saw uh, the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, Greg wrote the the underscore the music for that show as the sound designer. What, what what is it like to do something like that, which is totally different than arranging music for Dolly Parton? It is totally different. Um, you sent me the script, and so I would just go to my office and close my eyes and sort of run through the script in my head um, and try and imagine people on stage saying this and what kind of sound would support them what would what would go on or if it was the end of a scene what was the scene that was just ending what was the mood of it and what mood are we going into with the next scene and how can I help that transition musically well I was blown away by the music and and just the the the, the soundscape that you created for the show because we had conversations about the different moments in it, mm-hmm. but you would go away and work and bring something back, and it was like, that's exactly what I'm hearing in my head. And we very rarely had any kind of discrepancy of moment or feel of the show, so it was, it was fascinating to be able to connect that together and put the music with the actors and just feel, feel how that would bring it to the next level when it would come alive. That's because I've been watching you for 25 years. <laughs> How, well, how did that how did that inform you though um, having done so many shows with you I I know how you like to draw out actors and how the characterizations are so important to you and that helps when I'm I'm imagining them in my head it's like how would Mike Shane have them say this line how mm-hmm. what kind of mood will he create in this scene with these lines of dialogue so, no, it's a big help to have worked with you before. I think it's important when you establish a, a relationship with other artists because you do start to have kind of a, a, a language that's unspoken, right? Mm-hmm. You, you kind of sure. feel what the outcome or the other person is going to bring to the table, which is, is, I think, why people work together for so long when they find that right connection. Yep. So, um, and, and speaking of that, you're, you're coming back for Christmas Carol. I am coming back for Christmas Carol. It is going to be a, an updated adaptation of it, mm-hmm. a new version, and it's got um, more music in it, which, of course, is certainly close to my heart. And um, I think the music is going to really set set the, the mood of it and help set the time of it, mm-hmm. because this is a show from the roughly mid-1800s. Yeah. And... Um, Conditions were different, but a lot of the overall themes remain the same. So I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, when I started working on the adaptation, I I wanted there to be a musical component because Christmas to me is always connected with music. I think of the Christmas songs that I grew up with and some of the old English songs that I've learned throughout the years and how music is an integral part of the holiday and having you on board to help us with the arrangements and and uh, selecting like what instruments we're going to have because we're going to have some actors playing instruments, which is going to be a, a fun challenge, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but uh, it's yeah, it's it's a, a, a beautiful part of the of the storytelling that it just supports the the the, the mood and the piece and the style and uh, I'm looking forward to to working on that with you. I think it's going to be good. I think so too. We've got uh, you know a few more weeks before we jump into rehearsals. Not too long. Well, I've already been working on it quite a bit. <laughs> Same <so>. here. <laughs> Same here. Um, I want to thank you for taking time to speak with me. You know, I've heard so many of these stories throughout the years, but it's fun to to relive the stories through you. I want to uh, close by sharing with our audiences uh, a little message we got a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're going to play it. Uh, it's from a person we've been talking about. Hey, you nine to fivers. This is Dolly. I wanted to do a big shout out to you and thank you for loving my music enough to do it. And I understand you're a TPEC, but I understand more than that. But there's somebody in the orchestra that I know and love. I think he's the greatest, Greg Perry. Well, he should be in it because he's the one who produced nine to five and did a great job of that. Hi, Greg. Hi to all of you. Have a great time. I might even sneak in and try to see you. So when we got that, I sent it to you. What did you think of that? Well, I certainly wasn't expecting that. That was very <laughs> kind of her, but maybe just a little embarrassing. Um, she's a very nice lady. Yeah. And I have nothing but good things to say about all the times I've spent with her. Yeah. She's she's a, a, a national treasure. She it? is. Absolutely. And, and especially to Nashville and Tennessee. And she's... She is, uh, uh, she, I guess she would be our queen of Tennessee. <laughs> yes, definitely. So, so uh, we have one more week. We don't know if Dolly will show up, but we sure hope she does. And, but we thank you for being a part of, of the rep and being a part of this production and the other productions you've been a part of. And uh, it's always uh, great to work with you and find projects that we can work on together. So I'm thrilled to be here. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you ha- are listening to this on the week it premieres, you have one more week to catch Dolly Parton's 9 to 5, the musical here at Nashville Rep. Head on over to NashvilleRep.org and get your tickets. 9 to 5 is playing through September the 17th at Tennessee Performing Arts Center's Polk Theater. You don't want to miss it. Audiences are raving about it. It is a great show, so please don't miss it. We hope to see you at the theater. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time. <laughs>